smartcast.com This is the morning brief from the Economic Times produced in collaboration with avas.com If 2020 has taught us anything at all it is that we should not be so foolhardy as to make predictions and forecasts about the year ahead and yet as we stand on the edge of a year like no other waiting to step into the next we'd still like to know what to watch out for or take note of to help us make sense of 2021 with this in mind we have a very special episode lined up with three of et's top editors who will share their take on the year gone by and what lies ahead whether it's the economy the political landscape or corporate india from the economic times i'm indulekha arvind and you're listening to the morning brief We have with us today Bodhisattva Ganguly, Executive Editor of The Economic Times, Deputy Executive Editor Pranab Dal Samanta, and Associate Editor R. Sriram. Thank you so much, all of you, for joining us. Before we look into the new year, I'd like each of you to take a step back and briefly share with us what was for you a defining moment or story of 2020. Bodhi, would you like to start? Thank you, uh, Indu. So, on the broader economy, I think the obviously this year has been quite unprecedented in terms of. Um, I think as has been widely reported, it is it's the first time the Indian uh, GDP, India's GDP, is supposed to shrink. The surprise has been a, a a positive one in the sense that the economy has bounced back faster than than many forecasters anticipated. I mean. So, if you look at, let's say, even the RBI, which had initially forecast, uh, if I'm not mistaken, if I'm getting the numbers correct, around a 10%, a double-digit, close to double-digit decline, they've now, in their latest um, estimates, which were on the 4th of December, along with the monetary policy, they've now projected a 7.5% uh, contraction in GDP, and that more or less seems to be, you know, the ballpark figure around all other con- uh, forecasters, official and non-official, are are converging. so uh, and and in fact the economy could at least i'm again quoting the rbi's figures could have a low but very very marginally positive rate uh, rate of growth uh, in this quarter the quarter ended 31st december so about 0.1 is what the rbi is projecting and then a slightly higher rate of growth though still very low in the next quarter of 2021 and then of course we hope for a sharp bounce back in 2122 uh, which is of course partly linked to the roll out of the of the vaccine those were the i think the defining moments of the economy got it pranab what about you when it comes to the political landscape thank you for having me over once again on the morning brief uh, bodhi has given a wonderful overview of where things stand economically on the political side i think the uh, uh, india was in for a rude shock and that itself is a big defining moment uh, that is the chinese aggression on the himalayan frontier mm-hmm. it was unexpected Uh, I mean, there would be many who would say we saw this coming, but the timing of it really uh, shook India because it happened just about, uh, I think, less than a month after we announced our uh, first lockdown. So you had uh, China uh, mounting uh, on the Ladakh border right as you were trying to fight COVID, and then you had to deploy in um, areas where it's very difficult to deploy. you had to concentrate resources there and you had to fight china both on the security front as well on the economic front and that 
dealing with China just militarily, I mean, what, what it did is that it broke the myth that you can actually keep security issues away from the larger landscape of the relationship. And eventually the government realized that there is only that much that can be done militarily, and therefore we took the battle onto the economic side. And then you have the consequences about which we can talk later. So that, to me, is a defining moment because moving ahead, uh, it will really dictate India's priorities, its choices across a broad spectrum of issues, not just military and security. And certain minor defining points as we close toward the year were uh, the fact that endorsement which Modi received uh, for handling COVID despite a lot of commentary here and there. He, he did perform well in the Bihar elections. I mean, BJP single-handedly ensured an NDA uh, government in Bihar, riding on Modi's popularity wave. So uh, so that uh, was a ringing endorsement of whatever uh, Modi tried uh, with, uh, with the COVID uh, challenge. And second is the entry of uh, BJP into uh, important uh, municipal elections, breaking new ground in Hyderabad, etc. But let's not forget the other important election, which is Kashmir. And remember, uh, the local body elections there, etc., are all moving towards giving a signal to the world that India is looking at uh, the return of a democratically elected government in Kashmir, which is important now that you have Joe Biden and White House. Mm -hmm. So uh, to be able to go bottom up and finish off with those elections as we close the year uh, is an important uh, step uh, forward for the Indian government. So, so now let's see how that plays out uh, in the new year. Sriram, what would you say was a defining moment for corporate India and the markets? Well, I think uh, the resilience of markets and the kind of spectacular comeback that we witnessed in stock markets after that really, really massive plunge that we saw in March of 2020 uh, I think mm -hmm. it's one of the most uh, defining moments of uh, for uh, Indian financial markets, and I think this year, this year will probably be just remembered for that huge, uh, you know, the huge plunge and then the uh, massive recovery that we saw. I think a lot of people have been talking about how markets have gotten ahead of themselves, and yes. I think we need to just remember one major thing here that is, you have, uh, you have a situation where. Markets are always leading indicators of something that is going to happen. Uh, they are always trying to discount something that is going to happen next year or the year after that. And when you look at it from that situation, uh, you you can't escape the fact that markets are actually telling you that economy is going to recover and uh, the uh, corporate India is going to recover and uh, that we are going to probably head it to a 2022 or a 2021, which is going to be much better than uh, what we had earlier anticipated and i think that's that's really the big story from financial markets as far as corporate india is concerned it has just been a year of where they largely hunkered down tried to uh, batten down the hatches and see whether the storm would pass and uh, there's been no major initiatives in that sense no major groundbreaking thing apart from apart from of course reliance industries is uh, massive fundraising yes. that we saw in the summer of that year were they coming back to you as you mentioned, uh, vaccination drive is a key factor that a recovery will depend on. But apart from that, what are the top things that uh, a bounce back will hinge on in 2021? 
So uh, I think we must be careful when talking about terms like bounce back. For uh, um, if you go by the Indian fiscal year, which is uh, which is from 1st April 21 to 31st March 22, 21-22, uh, the first quarter will see a 30, will probably see a 30% plus growth rate. That's there in the in the projections by the central bank and others as well. But that's obviously artificial because of the of the huge slump in the in the in the first quarter of this year, April June. This year, um, and while the year uh, most of the br- brokerages are projecting growth either in the high single digits or 10% plus in 2122, uh, um, but you know if you at the end of the year we will just about be start we'll be we'll be returning to the levels of of the pre of 1819. Um, Right. I mean, so so there is a so there is an output loss which has happened this fiscal, which would be which we would be sort of you know recouping in the course of the previous of the previous year. If you look at at the current year which has gone by, as Sriram alluded to, the fundraising by Reliance. So I think that is an indication at a very fundamental level that investors have confidence in the Indian economy. So there is a in the sense that both, let's say, Reliance Retail and Reliance Geo is a is a play on the broader Indian economy, and there are there is smart money. There are people who are willing to put in billions of dollars into these companies. So that's that's a that's a good thing. It shows that investors have confidence. Similarly, most private sector banks and now even a couple of public sector banks have been able to access the markets and raise funding. That again shows a confidence in the wider Indian economy. Now you could argue that that's also because there's a lot of liquidity sloshing around, looking for returns and so on and so forth. But nonetheless, it does show that uh, some fairly seriously smart money is willing to bet on a bounce back on the, you know, in the Indian economy. But the really good news will come as and when pri- Indian private sector investment starts to revive. Uh, because I think one mustn't forget that even before the pandemic, GDP growth was actually slowing down. I think Indian, uh, you know, private sector corporate investment needs to revive. Uh, while Reliance's fundraising indeed shows is a wider macro signal of confidence in the sense that the activities of a large company reflect the economy as a whole and as some kind of a proxy for the economy. It's largely uh, um, at a micro level, as far as that company is concerned, it's really to pay off debt. So there are there are other good indications also. I think it's also a question of that India has a, um, I would say, a once in a lifetime opportunity to benefit from the fact that the world supply chains are decoupling in some fashion because all multinationals want a, want a China plus one strategy. I think there is some indication um, that India is also beginning to pick up a fair amount of the investment, which is looking for another home. And um, I think in this context, the government's the production-linked uh, incentive uh, scheme does seem to be working. There are people signing up for it, and that you know should, should uh, that's linked to what I just said a little while back that it would should lead hopefully to a surge in private investment in the Indian economy. Pranab, coming back to you, uh, you, of course, mentioned right up front that it was an eventful year, uh, particularly because of the Chinese aggression. What are the factors that you think will shape India-China ties in the year ahead? I think 2020 has already reshaped a lot of these things because you see the the ground rule uh, with which India-China relationship worked in the past 20 years 
was uh, that uh, the, the whatever the differences uh, between the two countries, they will not impact other spheres of cooperation, particularly the economic sphere. And that is why you saw, uh, despite differences on the border, you saw uh, robust growth on the economic side. And, you know, there were concerns about uh, how the, the, the differential was increasing. But uh, still, uh, the, the trade between both countries increased tremendously. Now you see the Indian side taking the battle onto the economic side, bringing in restrictions uh, on China and Chinese companies. Now those are uh, that's that's a new thing. So that will now see India suddenly is in the lead uh, in what is the decoupling uh, effort. One has to see how smart we can be about this without actually, uh, you know, the decoupling should not re lead to a complete firewalling. Second, what one sees very clearly is a hike in defense expenditure. Third, you will see a massive expenditure on our uh, seafaring capabilities. That is essentially the Navy, which is always uh, an expensive proposition. So all of this is going to impact the economy. Uh, so that's that's the other thing. And last, of course, India you enters the UN Security Council. You will see a lot of uh, possible fireworks because Pakistan and China have now uh, dropped all pretense and they are right up there uh, uh, together, uh, taking on India and raising issues. So you will see a lot of uh, politicking happening at New York. So, and last of all, uh, one has to look at the way the EU functions from here, because in Biden's frame of things, the EU is, uh, the European relationship is very important. So uh, if Europe again goes back to leaning towards China, uh, then we, we have another situation. So all of this, uh, is, is lots of balls up in the air, but uh, gradually you also see that there are opportunities opening up. But what's clear is India needs to move on defense investment, defense capabilities, right as of yesterday. And that's going to consume a lot of government attention. In sure. You had, in fact, a very interesting column the other day about uh, how China has leveraged its uh, UNSC membership and talking about what uh, India should do as well. But coming to domestic issues, uh, 2020 began with protests and it seems to be ending with another set of protests. Uh, and farmer protests are evidently going to spill off into the new year. Do you think that uh, this is one of the biggest challenges that the Modi government has faced? And how do you think it's going to play out? Look, I think it's not the issue which is important. Uh, it is the method. And that's going to challenge the government. Uh, suddenly, because uh, parliament has grown less and less effective and uh, for various reasons, uh, a lot of the opposition is going to take to the streets. We have seen this happen before. Uh, so in the 80s and, uh, and in the past, because when when you have full majority government, that is how even uh, opposition sort of gets itself heard. In, in this case, it's not political parties as much as it will be pressure groups, interest groups, whether it is uh, farmers or any other labor unions or anything. The method which seems to be clicking, and they seem it's, it's like it's like a formula that you you block uh, important uh, infrastructure like roads or telecom or whatever it is, and then the government has to talk. So the method will be used in raising several issues, not just farmers. Tomorrow it will be something else. Uh, 
So, so the so how the government deals with this is going to be a, a big issue, uh, a big challenge. As far as the issues are concerned, I think uh, as far as the farmer issue is concerned, it is it is confined to you know largely Punjab and Haryana, and you, 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 the the government realizes that you know in many farmers across Madhya Pradesh, Chhattisgarh, or even Maharashtra. Uh, probably are okay with the uh, idea of reforms which they're talking about because they, they, there has been this feeling that uh, the, the farm policies of India have been biased towards Punjab. So I think politically they are not, uh, they are not troubled. But yes, uh, from, uh, from a governance perspective and from the sheer images which are coming out of these things and then the, the projection uh, that hurts. That you know, it just makes the government look as though it's not able to control things. Sriram, uh, as you mentioned, uh, last year was a roller coaster ride for the equity market, and people are talking about an upcoming correction. Uh, when it comes to the markets, what do you think? A uh, couple of factors that retail investors might not be paying enough attention to. So I think markets. You need to you need to understand that. Structurally, there have been a lot of, there have been some very big changes that have happened over the last, say, 10 odd years or 12 odd years. Uh, the big change that has happened is there is now this huge wall of money, this tsunami of money that is chasing asset classes across the world. Now, this wall of money is FPI money, is NRI money. It is also, to a great extent, being joined by domestic money, especially in the last five to six years. So when I say domestic money, I mean money that comes into Indian mutual funds, which is then invested in the market, and money that retail investors through direct participation in the equity markets also deploy into, into stocks. Now, this huge wall of money is, is a reality. You need to acknowledge the fact that this money is here to stay and unless until things take a turn for the worse. So what we have seen, in especially in Indian financial markets in the last, uh, say, 10 odd years is that there have been these frequent bouts of huge upsurge. We saw this in 13, 14, and then we saw this again in 16, 17, and now we are seeing it again in, in say, 20 and probably into 21 as well, which is then followed by a, a fairly steep correction that uh, probably takes some sections of the market into a bit of a bear market. And we've seen that again in 15, we saw that in 18 and 19. Uh, what this indicates largely is that investor money is chasing returns, chasing asset classes, which are ripe for real alpha generating kind of returns. And that this will continue as long as the alpha is generated and as long as the returns are generated. And once there is an indication that it's not going to happen in the same way, the money then moves out. And of course, the Indian retail money doesn't move out in that sense, but the foreign money looks, looks for newer pastures. The second major thing that is happening right now before our eyes and as we speak is the is the decline, is the fall in the value of the dollar. Now, the more the dollar is weak, the more the dollar falls, foreign investors are go, not going to keep their money locked up in the United States or in the developed world. They are going to look for emerging asset classes, especially in emerging markets, where you can generate higher returns. And there is, as of now, no indication, no indication that the dollar is going to be is going to bounce back in any way or is not going to become weak or has become stronger in the in the new year. Sure. Coming to our own industry, the media, Bodhi, I'd like to get your outlook for how the media weathered the storm and what you feel the next year holds for all of us. Well, there's nothing, there's no one entity called 
the media industry. If you are talking about uh, the print media in which we are uh, predominantly in, so it's no secret that we were badly hit this year. Um, quite frankly, because of this this false rumor that you can get the uh, virus on newspapers. <laughs> One of the uh, sort of unpleasant outcomes was that a lot of people stopped subscribing to newspapers because it was seen as unsafe. And of course, we've recovered uh, quite a bit, but obviously it has been it has been a, a difficult year. I think the other other big point for the newspaper industry, and I'll make a forward-looking uh, statement rather than, is that, um, you know, you, you must have followed, and we've also been covering it. Uh, obviously, there are, um, essentially, in, in countries like Australia and France, there are negotiations underway, which are, uh, where regulators are trying to uh, nudge, let's put it this way, uh, Google and Facebook to share some of their revenues uh, with um, with the publishers, uh, with the publishing industry. Well, and and the you know the the extent to which they're resisting, I think shows that it is important uh, to them. That is to Google and to Facebook. I think very. Uh, I think going forward, a similar uh, exercise will have to be carried out in India. Now, all of us would, of course, like to begin the new year on an optimistic note. Bodhi did briefly touch upon uh, some of the recovery factors. But Sriram, what do you think are the bright spots that are likely to gain traction in 2021? Well, you're going to see uh, what we have seen in 20, uh, 2021, uh, that is fiscal year 21, is a growth in certain sections of the economy that have really surprised people. Okay. The fact that consumer demand has come back so strongly now, we still need to figure out, I think the jury is out on whether this is just pent up or this is pent up and structural. I think it's a bit of both. Uh, but I think if it, there is a, pent up bit, um, a bit of both pent up and structural, you're going to see this consumer demand actually carrying forward into much of uh, 2021. Um, uh, so these are the these are some of the very surprising things that I think could uh, continue to surprise us, I mean, well, not surprise us so much now, but continue to do well in 2021. The other big change that is probably happening and which will play out over much of this decade and will not probably stop with 2020 or 2021 is the gradual rise in adoption of digital technology by much of not just Indian consumers, but also by India Inc. Uh, I think Crystal had come out of the study a couple of days back saying that uh, how a lot of Small and medium firms are increasingly adopting digital technology and digital means of communication and transaction, transacting businesses. Uh, that is going to not just grow, but also expand in a very big way. Now, before we wrap up, I wanted to end on a more personal note, which is that uh, 2020, of course, changed how all of us worked. I mean, I don't think any of us would have imagined we'd be bringing out entire editions with nearly all of us working from home. So I'd like to know what is a habit that each of you picked up while working from home that you intend to carry with you in the new year whenever we get back to office? Bodhi? If someone had asked me about nine months back as to, or even in February or even in early March for that matter, that you would be bringing out the paper for, for nine months in a row, uh, for nine months without uh, working from office, um, I would have said it's impossible. So yeah, we have... Um, uh, you know, we 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 we've done that, and it's something which is in some ways quite remarkable. I think which is what it has taught me at a personal level, and, and that might be true. That would be true of other newspapers, be true of other organizations. Is that people are resilient, and they can 
and they can respond to challenges they can deliver and uh, they can uh, you know um, and they can really deal with the most unexpected and the most uh, sort of uh, extraordinary of situations i think that's really my uh, you know my take away from from this year pranav what about you i'll modify it to maybe a realization rather than a habit if, if that's better frankly the one takeaway from me has been that uh, better utilization of time i mean frankly it made me realize that probably uh, we took a lot of time doing things uh, because we were pressed against the wall and you know these kind of conditions uh, you realize that you could actually compress the uh, the amount uh, of time you would take to finish a particular task or complete a decision making process or just you know structure a copy or get people to file on time uh, i think what you take away from here is that uh, even if you come back to office uh, much better utilization of time meeting deadlines is possible than what we were doing before that's one thing i would i have taken away from this period so i hope your team members are also listening to this <laughs> but you'll uh, make sure <laughs> sriram uh, what about you well i know i'm glad you rephrased it to say that realization because uh, i think that is one of the key uh, key points in uh, the year that has gone by i'm not a fan of working from home i'm not a big fan at all and i think uh, uh, i don't know about others but for me i'd like to be physically present in the office i did that for 6 months when i had to work from home forced to work from home rather because waiting for a bit for the monsoon also to get over but the moment the monsoons got over and i found myself that i couldn't do this anymore i started going to office so i'm not a big fan of this work from home i think after a year or so when the when the fears of the virus are gone or hopefully gone and we've gotten ourselves vaccinated i think a lot of people will want to come back to physical place of work thank you so much all of you for joining us in today's conversation and let's all hope for a more happy healthy and a peaceful new year so there you go the top editors of the economic times sharing their perspectives on 2021 you're listening to the morning brief from the economic times and i'm indulekha arvind today's episode was edited by devina sengupta and nehal chaliawala and coordinated by nehal do send your feedback to the morning brief at timesgroup.com the morning brief airs every tuesday thursday and friday Thank you so much for listening and from all of us here at the Morning Brief have a great day and a wonderful new year. avas.com